Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. This week, I have for you a love story, or more of a food story full of love, or a love story full of food, but either way, it's the story of Joel Penn and Amanda Newsom. And Joel, a chef who has worked under many great names like Terry Koval of Wrecking Bar, and Amanda, communications manager for none other than The Giving Kitchen. And this dynamic duo forms Veneta, a project that found its roots in Athens way back when in 2013. And these two came up with a fun way to host a hungry group of friends and ended up with a dinner series now pop up. And they're really picking up steam, partnering with notable chefs from around the city. So we sat down at Amano in Old Fourth Ward late last year for a conversation. So here's Amanda and Joel. The first question that every single one of my guests receive is I want to know who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she? And I guess like the bonus question is if you can like sneak it in there somewhere, where did you grow up? Yeah. Um, so I was like the pickiest eater ever growing up and, um, I, my mom would cook, but not a ton. She would like make spaghetti or like a few dishes that, you know, are comfort foods me that, that I think about and love, but I wasn't really into food growing up. It was just kind of a something you had to do, basically. So um, probably ate too much fast food and chicken fingers and things like that when I was a kid. <laughs> Didn't we all, though? Yeah, true. Yeah. Were you a fish stick kid? Uh, yes. Because like, I think that there were some of us who were fish stick kids mm-hmm. and the other ones who weren't. And I think that we probably turned out a little bit better than the ones that weren't. <laughs> They're like, no, my parents wouldn't let us eat fish sticks. Like, that's because your parents weren't liberal enough for, I don't know, you didn't get to watch, like, enough Nickelodeon either. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Fish sticks were awesome. I, I haven't had one, like, out of a box, like the guy in the yellow, you know, mm-hmm. jacket yeah, and, you know, best. the fisherman guy. But, uh, yeah, anyway, that's a really weird thing for us to talk about right now. But, anyway, <laughs> fish sticks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, food wasn't really something I thought much about or mm-hmm. cared a whole lot about when I was growing up. Um, my mom does, however, make the best fudge in the entire world. Whoa. So it's a hard fudge, too. Hmm. Um, and so she has to do it just right or it doesn't come out. But every year for my birthday, she makes that for me. And my uncle, as well, his birthday is a couple of weeks before me. And his birthday is this week. So I'm like itching for my fudge because my birthday is coming up here uh in a few weeks and i know that's coming so that's like my favorite thing (laughs) that's so i want to like spend a like just a second there because fudge is i don't know i mean maybe i'm wrong but i feel like fudge can be really polarizing it's either you really really like it or people are like i don't really want to eat that like and it's it's something that you know you you may you might see it as a little bit more of like a novelty. It's something that you're going to get when you're like visiting a little mountain town. And yeah. You're like <laughs> driving like on the outskirts of Asheville, and you're like, "There's this one place that all that they do is fudge, and like they only are open for you know two days out of the year, and that's all that they sell is fudge." I've never but actually thought about that a whole lot, but that side of my family is all from the Helen, Georgia, like Appalachian area. Oh so, yeah. So like my parents grew up in Atlanta, but that side of my family like she comes from there and I wonder if fudge sort of got passed down as part of that but I wonder I mean yeah, I, I, I never thought about that I, I never grew up like making it I never had like a, a grandma or an aunt that like specialized in like making fudge it was never something that it, like it ended up in our house because someone either gave it to us or it just happened to stay in the cabinet for too long which I think it keeps for a long time it's like it's like brittle I mean 
not when it's sitting around because I eat it really right. quickly, <laughs> <laughs> but it could. Yeah. I, I, I always felt like it just went untouched and it was like, oh, if you're really craving something sweet, like there's fudge that's been in there since the nineties. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I want to try really good fudge though. I think I have not given it a chance. Yeah. So, and I like most fudge anyway, so I'm a chocolate kind of person, but yeah. hers, I don't know, it's a hard fudge, so you don't find that very often either, that so I don't better. know how that, like, recipe came about, but I do prefer it, yeah. Yeah, that does sound better to me, because, like, I think every time I've had fudge, it's also been really soft, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just eating, like, cake frosting. Yeah. Like, it's like, I don't want it to just, like, fall apart, but hard fudge sounds like a better way to go. Yeah. Yeah, so... Well, that's cool. Yeah. I, I I like that you have that as part of your history, that like food was something that you kind of like worked your way into as you got older. So yeah. I love those. I love like those sides of people's stories, too. It's like when you grow up in the kitchen, you're like, oh, yeah, you like you had the outset. But you like when you come to like appreciate food as you get older, you know, and it wasn't something that you, it was just ubiquitous around you. Like it's yeah. um, it's cool. You know, it's really, really cool. But yeah. um, and but I will say to you um, that part of our Veneta background is I am vegetarian now so um, I grew up in a small town in Walton County and I went to summer camp in Pennsylvania when I was I don't know a young teenager mm -hmm. and there are all these kids there and they're like we're vegan and vegetarian and I was like what is that huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am a huge animal lover that's like a big part of my life and so I was like whoa I never thought about that and I came home and I was like mom I'm gonna be vegetarian and I had no idea like how to cook or eat that way. And she was like, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been a vegetarian so, for a long time then. Well, I tried the vegetarian thing. Wasn't really sure how to do it all. I stopped eating pork and beef when I was about 15 and haven't eaten it since. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've been an actual vegetarian for I don't know, five or six years, maybe. I don't know. So, and I try to eat vegan at home, but I'm not super strict about yeah. that by any means. Yeah. Yeah. So, sometimes cheese does make it easier to have friends. Cheese is a hard thing you know, to get you know, away pizza. from. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It makes my stomach hurt, but pizza is like one of the best things ever. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, you know, you, you punish yourself because it's so good. We just went to uh, the new place over off the Beltline, uh, Nina and Rafi, and it was like they have this Detroit style pizza. Oh, and I was yeah. like, it's like so many textures and um, like, you're like I should only eat like one slice of this because it's pretty big I mean it's thick and it's like really like pillowy and then you're like I just ate four slices out of like <laughs> and you know it's really only like probably eight slices and then you should really make that about 16 yeah <laughs> you gotta get that crispy yeah. corner slice yeah like you want it to like it's almost like Captain Crunch you're like I want this to cut the roof of my mouth <laughs> because it tastes so damn good but yeah pizza is one of those things where you're like oh man I should really stop eating but I'm gonna eat three more slices yeah because I love being alive so um, but Joel, same question to you, man. Like, tell me, like, where'd you grow up and who was cooking for you growing up? Um, I, I would say my parents, uh, they didn't really have like signature dishes, but they were like really, really into food. Like this was pre food network, but, uh, you know, I remember growing up and PBS was always on, you know, and they just had videotapes, like stacks of them that they recorded off of PBS of, you know, Jacques Pepin, Julia mm -hmm. Child. Uh, Justin Wilson, the crazy, the crazy Cajun yeah. dude, you know, uh, <laughs> and so that was always on and it was just like a, you know, constant thing growing up. Uh, so they were always trying new things and just like messing around in the kitchen and like, you know, my dad would just like come up with some crazy dish and be like, this is what we're eating tonight. You know, so I got exposed to a bunch of stuff that way. Um, they're just really into food and, uh, we used to go out to eat a lot, like a lot, a lot. 
Uh, and apparently there's this one story when I was really little where I was just like running around the house counting and I would go one, two, three, pen, party of four. <laughs> uh, and then, one. yeah, and then they were like, maybe we should stop spending so much money on going out to eat. <laughs> this is how our child is. You know, he thinks that's the number four. That's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, and it's I'd say both sides of my family, just like it's just been many, many generations of people who just care about eating well and really good food you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so there's like signature dishes on both sides like my nana uh she makes this dish that i eat like once a year maybe twice a year when we go visit she knows it's like my favorite but it's like a new england style like boiled dinner which sounds gross uh (laughs) (laughs) but it's like it's like corned beef and like potatoes and carrots and beets and little pearl onions and cabbage uh like all in a pot together and just like cooked like boiled together and then you just dump it out uh and then it's like a horseradish like savory whipped cream that you just dollop huh. over everything and it's insane it's so good yeah i mean there's no texture to the dish it's all just <laughs> boiled <laughs> shit but it's yeah. really really good yeah no see that actually sounds really good i mean every time that i've ever you know looked at like a um, like a crab boil, like with scrutiny, and then you start eating it, and you're like, all right. Well, as soon as you start dumping old bay all over everything, yeah, like exactly. you don't give a shit that everything's boiled. Like this <laughs> is so good, and it's usually hot outside, and you're drinking cheap beer, and yeah. you're like, yeah, we can boil everything now. Like let's just try it. Yeah, just throw everything into Bo- a pot, see what yeah. happens. Throw the cheesecake in there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's make some bad decisions. Um, yeah, what kind of eater were you growing up? Um, pretty open to most things. Uh, like. I don't know. There were definitely some like knockdown, drag out battles where it's like you can't leave the dinner table until you eat blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I would at least try everything. Uh, the one thing, and I still to this day can't really wrap my head around, was like mushy green peas, like green peas out of a can or green peas that are just like cooked to death that are like really mushy. I don't know why that was a thing that was around my house when I was a kid, but I can't do it. No, I'm with you, man. I uh, I think that is on the same level of disgusting and also just worthless as uh, like canned asparagus. Yeah. Have you, I mean, have you ever been into it, like canned asparagus? Like it just like it dissolves. Like it yeah, almost. So why just, does that exist? Yeah, it, it almost disappears out of your hand before you can even like eat it. Like because it's just it just turns into like liquid. It liquefies. Yeah. It's like why did someone decide that this <laughs> is okay? Because you want to have texture yeah. with some things, like and especially peas. Like, yeah, I, I don't want a pea puree. Like, if I'm gonna do that, like, I'm just gonna put them in a smoothie or something. But but then like you know like mushy green beans, you know like southern style cooked yeah. to death. Mm-hmm. Super into yeah. that. Yeah, like a ham hock, yeah. tons of salt. Yeah, yeah. like that's gonna yeah. keep you alive. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, peas and like uh, that kind of yeah. Leave that shit to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. But um, yeah. Fast forwarding a little bit. I mean, like as you guys, you know, obviously you both are here in Atlanta. Tell me about like your story of how you two actually met um yeah so i i was born in northern virginia but i was only there until like i don't know before i was two or around two and then uh my dad got a job down here uh in metro atlanta area so i grew up in the like stone mountain snowville area gotcha uh, suburban kid yeah um you're a native basically yeah ish you yeah. know <laughs> otp but yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah so Grew up there, went to high school and everything, uh, moved to UGA for school, moved to Athens for school to go to UGA, uh, and that's actually where we met. We were both uh, Grady uh, Grady alumni, journalism kids, um, 
yeah, we both have degrees in magazine journalism, which I'm utilizing pretty much zero. Of. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we met in one of our last like magazine journalism classes and really kind of hit it off. I don't know. You talked about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was the, I had taken a couple years off of school and came back. And so it was our last semester before um, getting the journalism degree. And it was like a class of 15 people or something. And it was magazine editing design. And the professor was like, I just want to let you know that I'm like the best matchmaker ever. <laughs> and, you know, I, there's shout out to Dr. Rhodes. Yeah. There, she's like, there's always a couple that ends up together. And I'm like looking, there's like 15 of us, two are guys. And I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but we went on this uh, trip the next week um, for the class to Eufaula, Alabama. And um, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of. Well, I guess actually backing up, it was that whole go around for an icebreaker, you know, something interesting about yourself. And Joel was like, well, actually my band's playing. Was it that night or the next night? I think it was <laughs> it was that night. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I was like, ooh, because I used to go out to all the different shows in Athens and yeah. see the music. And I was like, all right, he's kind of cute. Maybe I'll go see if his music's any good. <laughs> so I showed up and I think he maybe noticed that. And so then when we went on the trip that next week, we pretty much are inseparable and have been since then. And that was 11 years ago. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) You've been hanging out ever since. Yeah. That's great. Hey guys, I wanted to jump in here for just a quick second and tell you that if you really like listening to the show, if you dig the Atlanta Foodcast, you can support us on a monthly basis on Patreon. And if you'd like to find out a little bit more about what Patreon is and how you can support the show, go to atlfoodcast.com slash Patreon and you can find out about all the different levels and the things that you get for your support on a monthly basis. And thank you guys so much. So let's jump back into Joel and Amanda's story and hear about how they started Veneta. Yeah, so it, uh, the stars kind of aligned at at uh, actually at this one event, which mm-hmm. it's funny. Uh, it was a, uh, a giving kitchen uh, benefit dinner at Creature Comforts in Athens, which uh, Jessica and myself and Mimi from Homemade in Athens we we kind of helped organize this the first year it happened, uh, and it was a a benefit dinner in Athens at Creature Comforts with ten chefs. Um, and it was super, super successful when we did that the first year. And then the second year, uh, Amanda came and helped as a volunteer. Hmm. Um, and just kind of that night, we all got to talking and the executive director of the Giving Kitchen was there and she and he kind of hit it off. And I'll, I'll let her tell that part of the story. But basically, the move to Atlanta kind of sparked that night because uh, Terry... Uh, the chef of Wrecking Bar, where I am these days, was there, and uh, we got to talking, and he needed some help in the kitchen. Nice. And Amanda got to talking with the Giving Kitchen, and so it all kind of, like, it was a fateful night. Yeah. Um, how, how many years ago was that? That um, was last August. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've That's only awesome. been in town a little over a year. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I just love that, like, I mean, m- most of the people that I have on the show, you know, it's it, it varies. You know, it's either, uh, you know, someone has, you know, started a restaurant or they're, 
you know, they, they kind of have like, uh, you know, the path of like, man, I worked for, you know, I worked with Ryan Smith at Empire State sure. South, yeah. or I worked for Inquatrano, or, you know, gosh, going way back, like Scott Peacock, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, so people have like a lot of these Atlanta roots, but I love that you guys, you know, have so much of your story that just started down the road, but in Athens. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then you guys, you guys have been in town for just over a year. Yeah. yeah, and then you guys are already like kicking off a pop up. I mean, like that's that's killer. That's <laughs> really really awesome. So, and there's still so much of your story to get through. So we've got like three more hours. Yeah, I'm just perfect. I'm uh, just kidding. But, but yeah, I mean, like Amanda, tell me tell me a little bit about like you know you guys you know coming to Atlanta and then I mean just and in such a short period of time. I mean, you guys are working your way into starting Veneta. Yeah. So um, yeah, at the Athens Chef. Chef's Collaborative Dinner, um, I met Brian Schroeder, the director at Giving Kitchen, and um, I literally ran into him and spilled coffee all over him and I at the end of the night, so that's how he met me, (laughs) 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 which he doesn't let me forget, Um, and we got to talking, and I found out that he and I graduated from the same master's program at UGA for nonprofit management, so... Um, I didn't really talk to him about a job that night or anything, but he gave me his card. And then after Joel told me he was talking to Terry about, you know, potentially coming to Atlanta, I was like, well, I'll reach out, see if, you know, Brian knows of any other nonprofits hiring or maybe even if Giving Kitchen might be open to, you know, hiring me for something. And so I emailed him and he was like, actually, we have a marketing and communication communications um, position open now and I was like that's perfect that's what I've been doing for nonprofits for the past almost 10 years um it's what I love doing but I've been working with like animal welfare and wildlife conservation nonprofits Mm -hmm. so I was like oh this is a really cool opportunity to work for an organization that I care so much about and have a connection to because of Joel so sure you know I would help him at outreach events for like heirloom and you know whatever restaurant he was at I was helping him here and there just so that I could kind of have that connection to food because that's what he loves to do. And he, you know, since I was such a picky eater when he met me, he slowly mm-hmm. helped me try different foods and even learn how to cook, which is a pretty huge feat. Um, but it just kind of got me lo- loving food and caring a lot more about it than I ever thought that I would. Yeah. Um, and so you know, he would come home and tell me about different things he was cooking and he started getting all these cookbooks. We have stacks and stacks of them at home. (laughs) And he was like, you know, I want to cook this whatever dish, you know, goat mole. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be eating that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if you make a vegetarian version or make some sides, I'll eat that. And he was like, well, you know, I'm not going to cook for one person if you're not going to eat these meat dishes. Um, And so that's how we kind of started. Uh, we were like, let's just invite some people over, have like a very casual supper club kind of thing um, so that you can cook these different dishes, try them out, and you can just eat with our friends and have fun, drink beer, whatever, while they're here. And so that's kind of how we started even. We, we had no idea it would turn into pop-ups or, you know, more formal supper clubs, but kind of how my connection to food came about and how yeah Veneta came about yeah we like it was just supposed to be for fun and I was like you know invite some people over and I don't have a ton of money so I'm just gonna like charge them whatever I paid for this stuff so that way we can all just like eat and drink fun stuff for cheap you know uh and I, I called it 
tasty beast supper club because it was <laughs> the whole idea it was like hey you know i want to cook this tasty meat and she won't eat it come over here and help me eat it yeah uh and so that that lasted you know for several years in athens and every time we did it it just got a little more and more like took on a life of its own and it ended up becoming like hey you know we're going to have y'all seated at tables and we're going to have some friends come over and be front of house servers. And we're going to, you know, now it's a tasting menu, you know, now we're plating all of this and making it look artful. And now it's like, feels like you're really in a restaurant. Cause it started out, it was just us like standing around my grill and like, you know, eating shit, you know, <laughs> having yeah. friends and in the kitchen. This does not sound like a bad time. No, that's fun yeah, too. Fun. And it just became, you know, more and more like, you know, quote unquote fine dining I mean it was never fine dining you know but it, it just became more of a restaurant experience each time and we're like hey this is really fun you know we should do something with this and we kept doing it and we kind of put it on hold for a little while uh, when life got hectic especially around the move mm-hmm. and then we moved to Atlanta and uh, and we're like we should I don't know let's try it let's start it back up in Atlanta well and so it working at the Given Kitchen we we're talking about having supper clubs as like a fundraiser, having mm-hmm. people invite people over to their house. And I was, they were like, what can we call that? And I was like, that's a supper club. And I was like, and I love those. So mm-hmm. I kind of helped uh, develop that. And so I think that was a good push to encourage Joel. I was like, we haven't done one of these in a really long time. This is a really good reason to start it back up and let's try it in Athens or in Atlanta mm-hmm. um, and see if any of our friends here want to come out to it and so um we do have a lot of friends in atlanta that we know from athens days and so some of them yeah. came over um for that supper club and then just kind of invited some new atlanta friends um and it went pretty well so we kind of have picked back up on doing that quarterly which is what we had done in athens yeah. for the most part so I, I love that you guys were doing this pop-up like long before it's even, you know, I mean, it's just so funny. I mean, you know, the, that's why I love doing this podcast. Like selfishly, I get to like, you know, hear the story before anyone else gets to <laughs> yeah. like That to me is like, you know, I, the, 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 the side of like running a podcast is great, but like I get to be the first one to hear people's stories. It's like, I know something that you don't <laughs> and it's super cool, but I love that you guys were doing this, you know, and it's just like a way for you guys to hang out with friends, you know, like, exactly. you know, you're, you're, veg- my wife is a vegetarian as oh. well. And, you know, I mean, so 99% of the time like uh you know at home like it, it's fun you know i mean it's fun to be able to to cook you know just vegetarian for your family but then you have friends come over and it's like well man this is a great opportunity to like you know throw a pork loin on the grill or just something and just like try something different but like yeah. for that to be like a creative outlet for you as well is it's just really cool and then i think you know and, and this i'm not trying to like you know get to like you know reach too far for all the ethereals here but um you know that when you start talking about atlanta and you know you guys coming from Athens and then you know having a pop-up and it's like you know born out of you know just a you know a really great idea I think Atlanta is so ready for that type of creativity I think that there's something to be said about the atmosphere that you have here that you know in in many other cities I think you try an idea and if you're you know either coming onto the scene like nice and fresh or you have any sort of notoriety there's other cities in this country that will just beat you down or at least like yeah. meet, meet you at the door with scrutiny like eh, this has been like this has been tried before or done before you're not that cool or you know and, but Atlanta's <laughs> just like dude another cool thing this is actually really great and you probably already have a community there which is just really great like there's people who are just gonna dig what you are doing and it's just really cool. I mean, I, I think seeing so many ideas, either businesses or just creative or 
like just small things like that that i think is really what makes up so much of the overarching community feel of atlanta but when you start seeing that in the culinary side of things Mm -hmm. like restaurateurs business owners entrepreneurs like there's just some really great shit in atlanta that i've just i haven't heard about anywhere else so i just think it's cool yeah it's it's got a great you know like i said i've only been here a little over a year but definitely on the the culinary side of things it seems to be like a great really supportive community like Mm -hmm. you know all the chefs know each other and everything and uh you know it's not you know it's competitive to a sort where it's like hey you know look at this great dish that such and such put out i want to do something cooler than that but it's also like hey i support their restaurant and they're great people and blah 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 it's not like this cutthroat thing it doesn't feel that way at least you know yeah like everybody's pretty tight with each other totally i mean and then you have like the the kind of the the layer that supports everything like I me mean, with the giving kitchen. I mean, when I first learned about the giving kitchen, it was a team Heidi event from oh. Oh, gosh, five or six years ago. I don't know. Um, and just learning about what the organization does, you know, and I mean, both my parents, I mean, they're chefs. And I mean, like ever since I was a kid, you know, I mean like that some of the most important people that I remember were dishwashers or, you know, sometimes bus boys, like people who are working like very, you know, low paid hourly jobs, mm-hmm. but they were just as important, you know? And Absolutely. Like, yeah. So, I mean, if that guy, you know, something happens in his life or takes a dive, gets in a car accident, you know, and like, I mean, when you, when you walk into the restaurant and your dishwasher's not there, it's a bad day for everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know? that, that is the most important job in the entire yeah. restaurant. Like you, the dishwasher is the backbone of the restaurant. You can't run a restaurant if you don't have clean yeah, dishes. For sure. And, you know, I mean, the, the fact that there's an organization that steps up and be like, I love that quote, or I don't know if there's a quote, but just like that tagline of like, you know, when, what is it? Like our shift our starts, starts when yours can't. Yours can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's yeah. so, that's so great. And it doesn't like, it's, it's completely devoid of, of, you know, attributing like only to like, you know, these high paid level people. It's like, you know, Hey, if you're in need, like, that's why that's why we're here yep. and like learning about that and like seeing that that's a, I mean, that's just a huge feather in the cap of Atlanta and I don't care what anyone says, you know I mean? Like that's, that's just the truth about it. It's like, yeah. it's an amazing support system. And, um, so eventually we'll, we'll have like a giving kitchen episode yeah, and like, <laughs> like who's, who's holding that back? Like, Oh, well maybe I just need to like reach out to Amanda and yeah, <laughs> I'm the yeah. person to talk to you. Y'all <laughs> need to make that happen. Joel, do you know Amanda from the giving kitchen? Uh, I've, I've met her. A couple okay, of times. cool. Yeah. cool. I'll d- yeah. We can talk about that later. But put you in touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like let's shift gears and talk a little bit more about Veneta. I mean, and so I, I, I know Joel, I know that you and I like talked about this very briefly, but you know, tell me about like the origin of the name and before anyone sees your name and thinks that it needs to be pronounced Vignetta, don't <laughs> just don't. Don't make just, it sound more exotic than yeah. it is. <laughs> and it's, it's Veneta. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, currently I'm the chef de cuisine at Wrecking Bar, which I love. It's a great place. Um, and, uh, you know, Terry and the whole crew there are, like, just very supportive, great people. Um, and this, you know, we started the Supper Club back up. And it, it's still, it's, it's a very satisfying creative outlet for me because it's, you know... I get a lot of creative control at Wrecking Bar, but, you know, some of these Supper Club dishes are, like, you know, a little more finicky, a little more prep-intensive things that just would not work there because Wrecking Bar is so high volume. Like, it's it's a beast. It's a, a monster, and it's great, you know, but we can't do some of these, like, really, you know, prep-intensive things. It just would not translate to, you know, the amount of volume that we do at Wrecking Bar. So we kept doing this, and then... Uh, was kind of like, you know, 
we named it Tasty Beast back in the day, kind of like jokingly, not serious, you know, but like if this, if we ever want to do this thing and like, you know, maybe get on the Atlanta scene and do some pop-ups and, you know, see where that takes us, you know, I don't want it to be called Tasty Beast. So <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's figure something else out. And so we sat down and kind of had a little uh, branding marketing session. Uh, well, it actually kind of came about too, because, um, it was at our last supper club that we had Sarah and Chandler from Amano were there yeah and he was like hey I'm gonna be doing these pop-ups your food was good tonight or would you be interested in doing one and we were like uh, yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> wow uh, when do we sign up kind of a thing and we scheduled one like a month and a half later almost two months later and we were like okay if we're doing this like we need to rebrand quick so mm -hmm. that's when we just kind of like started hmm yeah, so uh, my brother-in-law, Thomas, uh, is a super, super creative uh, graphic design guy and just really into branding and aesthetics and stuff. And he's like got a really, really good taste, really good eye for all of this stuff. And so we were like, hey, and they also live like three blocks from us. So it's like, hey, you guys want to come over and like, you know, let's open a bottle of wine and just like throw some ideas at the wall and see what sticks, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of, you know, like spitting words out like, hey, do we want to do this? Do we want to do that? What's the vibe we're going for? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and so Vanetta is actually my Nana. So my grandmother on my dad's side, uh, that's her first name. And uh, it kind of blew my mind because we we're like throwing out all these ideas. And I was like, I kind of want something, you know, family related, something that, that's like important to me. And, uh, you know, we we're throwing this out. And my sister was like what about Nana's name? And I was like, Ray? Because I'd always known her as either Nana or Ray, like R-A-E. Uh, and she was like, well, no, that's her middle name. And, and you know, my head exploded because I'm 33 years old and I didn't know my <laughs> Nana's first name. Uh, and her name is Vanetta. Her name is Vanetta Ray. And everybody always tries to go like romance language and make it sound exactly like Vignetta. And I'm yeah. like, no, it's not. Like, You're like, is it Italian? Is it Spanish? And we're like, nope, it's, it's very Southern. Van <laughs> Vanetta Ray. It's a, uh, it's Appalachia. They're from Dunbar, West Virginia. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's where the name came from. And so she's named after her father's best friend, a guy named Van. Uh, and she was supposed to be a boy. She was supposed to be a boy. She was going to be Van, <laughs> uh, Van Raymond. And, uh, then, Oh, she's a girl. So, you know, Vanetta was like a, you know, last minute play call there. <laughs> Switch yeah. it up. Um, yeah. And so she's named after this guy who like was like, a you know, obviously I never met the man, but was a crazy, uh, there's a crazy story there. So, West Virginia, uh, Dunbar is a small town, like a little outside of Charleston, uh, and it's coal mine, coal mine country. And so that whole side of my family, that's where they came from was coal miners. Um, and back in the day, uh, you know, there were like horrible, horrible, you know, there were no workers rights or anything and the conditions were just awful. You know, you hear about black lung and stuff and it was a real thing. Mm -hmm. And so these coal miners lived in these company-owned towns uh and you know the company owned the whole town and you didn't get paid in real money you got paid in what they called script and it was basically it was monopoly money and you could only spend it at the company store wow you didn't get real money so you were kind of like owned by the company you lived in a house that the company owned 
And if you did something that they didn't like, you could come home and all the locks would be changed and you would just be homeless. And you have zero money because the money is not actually It's not real money. money. You have to spend it at the company store. And if they they don't like you, you know, you just, you're you're screwed, you know? Yeah. Um, And so uh, my Nana's father um, and his best friend Van uh, helped run one of the coal miner unions and, you know, the, the... coal miner companies like didn't want anything to do with this you know they don't want the workers unionizing and trying to find rights and all of this stuff and it became like a legit civil war like guns versus like coal miner axes and picks and stuff and it was like people died and it was like violence and crazy you know marches and stuff and van actually uh got tried on the steps of the courthouse in west virginia for treason um you know, super dramatic and all of this. And he ended up being acquitted and actually was very influential in writing a lot of, uh, like workers rights laws that are still in place today. Hmm. Um, so that's who Nana was named after. And that's who, you know, by extension, Vanetta, the pop-up came from. Nice. God, that's such a, I mean, that's a deep story. Yeah. It's crazy. And I mean, not only that, I mean, I think Vanetta Ray is, Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about like if you had thought about that when you were you know starting a punk band back when you yeah. were like yeah, a teenager exactly. you'd be like we're gonna yeah our name's Vanetta Ray yeah, for it sure it sounds like an emo band yeah, and totally. I'm okay with that but like a really good one too <laughs> like, like my favorite band when I was 16 was Vanetta Ray <laughs> yeah You're like dude their first record was so good like you had so many conversations like mm-hmm. that but god man like that's a really that's a that's a crazy story man there's there's and books on it and stuff we knew none of that until like, like Thanksgiving when she was telling us or, or about the, the name origin yeah yeah, I mean, I knew about the, the coal yeah. miner stuff. I did a project on it for, you know, yeah. social studies in seventh grade, and, you know, reached out to these people. And But there's, like, there's books on it and stuff. I could nerd out about yeah. this for a long time. It's cool, though. I mean, like, when, you know, the name of your of your restaurant has a lot more meaning than just like, Oh yeah, I thought it sounded cool or, you know, no. it doesn't have it. I mean, like there's some deep like family history there and mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really, really awesome. But, um, yeah, tell me a little bit about, I mean, t- so like, let's, let's jump into like, tell me about Veneta and you know, like how are you guys like, you know, everything from, you know, what's like, what, what's kind of the, you know, the experience, like what's the theme kind of like that you're experiencing at the pop-up and like, obviously like talk me through the menu. Sure. Well, the menus, I mean, I experienced one on Sunday and I had kanji and, um, right. Still thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) that's, that's kind of, well, thank you. Um, but that's kind (laughs) of, you know, the, the whole thing is that like, you know, I grew up in the South, um, and, uh, it's it's southern food but it's also just like more importantly than anything i think it's just like uh seasonal food like it's i want everything that we're getting to be sourced seasonally uh as locally as we can find it responsibly um you know like uh one of my favorite things in the world to eat is a blt but like there's no point in eating a blt outside of summertime like you know like wait till tomatoes are in season and then eat a blt like don't don't serve me or don't you know don't eat a blt in december like yeah. there's no reason for it it's going to be gross um so like eating with the seasons is super super important to me and it things just taste better and that's mm-hmm. just kind of how you're supposed to do it you know uh, and that's how everyone was doing it until you know 100 200 years ago maybe not even that long um but uh yeah, so Southern-ish, but also just, like, uh, influenced by a lot of, you know, like, global flavors. Uh, I tend to, like, uh, 
I, and this stems from having my training at East West back in the day. Like I, I got really into like Asian cuisines, uh, Japanese and Korean, Vietnamese, a little bit of Thai. I really like delved pretty hard into those and realized that a lot of those things play really well with Southern food, like mm-hmm. uh, like Korean cuisine and Southern cuisine. You know, they're the other side of the world from each other, but like they're both kind of like you know grain based cultures whether it be corn or rice you know in the in also in the low country here you know it's rice uh that are like reliant on like preservation and like putting away vegetables and you know kind of like preserving the season be it you know like pickling your corn or pickling your green tomatoes or you know turning things into kimchi like they you know it's similar but different you know and both cultures have a barbecue culture you know they're different obviously you know like fried chicken and both things like there's so many parallels between like these two cuisines and you see that if you start thinking about it like all over the world you know like mexican cuisine and thai cuisine are kind of there's a lot of similar things there probably because they're both really hot and so you eat spicy food that's you know really assertive with herbs and you know citrus and stuff to like cool you down um i don't know i'm kind of nerding out about this but like that's a you know so southern food with like just sort of global influences and stuff and uh my buddy will cantrell uh who has sort of been my sous chef my right hand guy for since we've been in atlanta and doing this thing he works over at staple house uh and so he and i get together and just kind of like talk about hey you know what do we want to do like what kind of food do we want to do like let's do like the kanji thing you know it's that's like an asian rice porridge but it also is just like a bowl of grits you know what i mean like yeah. it feels southern oh it's, and it's super humble like yeah. there, there's i mean i think there's a way to to present it where it's very um you know it's very refined but at the same time like man it's like it's like kanji you know i mean it's it's meant to be like, it's a staple, you know what I mean? Yeah, like this is exactly. what you're eating. I mean, it's essentially the same thing as if you were eating like porridge or like if you're an oatmeal person or, right, or yeah. especially grits, you know? And, but, uh, but man, you know, and like that, I was looking through the menu, obviously, you know, and like trying to decide like what I wanted to order. I was like, man, like I want to, I want to try and like, you know, find something that I probably wouldn't order normally, you know? And like, I mean, especially if it's something that's like a vegetarian dish and like, and like, I didn't tell you guys this, but actually, uh, next to my menu, I was sitting at the bar here at Amano and like, I had the, the one with like the server's notes and like, oh, yeah. I saw like some of the other ones. So like, but, it, but the one thing that I noticed was actually really cool. is like almost every dish was like gluten-free, gluten-free, mm-hmm. gluten-free, gluten-free. And like, I don't know if that was by design, but like, it was just really cool to see that, you know? And like where very naturally, like if you're cooking with rice, like, you know, you kind of skate by without really having to deal with like, you know, complicated stuff like, you know, gluten intolerances. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that, that wasn't intentional. It was kind of like, you know, we wrote the menu and then we sat down and I was like, I'm going to make some cheat sheets for the servers so they, you know, they know potential allergens or whatever. Cause it's like, Hey, the kimchi has got, you know, like shrimp or something in it that people might not realize. Uh, but yeah. like, you know, I started writing and I was like, Oh, you know, this whole menu is pretty much gluten free and it wasn't intentional. It was just kind of like, I guess the way that I cook, you know what I mean? Unless I'm like serving you a piece of toast or, you know, yeah. a pasta dish yeah. or something, you know, the guy next to me at the bar was asking me what rapini is. And I was like, like well let me uh let me pull up a photo <laughs> of you like that's probably why it's green i'd imagine because yeah. he was asking me he was like he was like pointing at it as like as i was trying to take a bite <laughs> <laughs> i was like i really just want to dive into this because yeah. it has like black garlic and like really good like i could just smell the chili oil coming off of it and like he's like so what is uh i was like dude it's like leave me alone dude. i, know, I, know, I, to eat. I was like i was leaning over the plate i was like 
I mean, dude, do you want to just like get your spoon in there and take a bite? Like, I don't <laughs> mind. You know, like, it's totally fine. But he was like, <laughs> he was like asking me all these questions. I was like, you know, check this out. Here's the, here, here's the menu with the server's notes on it. Like <laughs> go nuts. <laughs> so, but anyway, I mean, like I thought the, the menu was just really cool. I mean, it was, thank um, you. It was, I, I, I love that it was really simple and it was a really, I think it was, I mean, I was obviously here, but obviously, obviously here by myself, but like if you were like a four top or even like just with another person, it'd be a really fun menu to kind of, and I love that you guys had the option of like just one of everything, mm-hmm. you know, at like a set price point. Yeah. Like, Cause that way it's basically like, well, here's your prefix option if yeah. you want that. So, but, and, and that was actually another question I had is like, is that something that you guys want to build into like the rest of the pop-ups that you guys are doing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's the way I like to eat is go out to eat with three or four people and just be like, you know what? We got enough people here. Let's just order the whole thing, like order it all. And, you know, it's probably going to be too much food, but that way we can just try everything. Like, I don't want to be locked into just one dish, like one gigantic entree. Like, give me a bunch of smaller plates and let's bounce around and, you know, keep things exciting. That way, you know, there's a, I forget, you know, who told me this and, but it stuck with me. And it's like, you know, the first, the first three or four bites of any dish that you eat are going to be the most satisfying and the most exciting. And then, you know, halfway through, you're just eating for sustenance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, oh, this is still really good. But, like, that first couple of bites is what really blows your mind. Yeah. So if you have a bunch of smaller things, you keep getting that thing. Like, holy crap, try that one. Oh, no, try that one. You know, like, it keeps it exciting, keeps it fresh. And it's just fun, the communal thing of passing plates around. It's like Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, hey, give me that one. I'll trade you take this one you know and it's i don't know that's just the way i like to eat no and i I think it's super fun and amanda i wanted to ask you so like you know give me an idea of like you know how how are you guys like kind of planning to to present like you know the like i don't know if it's like a series or whatever like whatever you want to call veneta but you know how how will like the the other pop-ups that you guys do look and then also like what's what's kind of uh what's kind of like your plan of attack like you know where where like is amano going to be another spot like where you guys trying to like you know take Veneta if they'll have us (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um I don't know I kind of Joel does the cooking and I've been kind of helping with the planning portion of it um but yeah I mean we had been kind of hoping to do some pop-ups and so when this came up at Amano it was kind of perfect timing because we were like how to where should we go first and this was a really um kind of perfect restaurant to do it for the first time like the number of seats was great um everyone that works here worked really well with us that night so we're hoping after the holidays and everything kind of settles down a little bit to start scheduling them more often so we would love to do them at Amano again but maybe also trying some different places around town and even working with um, some of our other friends to do collaborative pop-ups so nice yeah we don't have any on the books yet but um we're going to be looking at our calendar pretty soon and seeing when we're available obviously we work very opposite work schedules but yeah it's um, kind of like a you know good night good morning kind mm -hmm. of relationship and see each other once a week or so (laughs) (laughs) it's a great way for you guys to spend more time together i was gonna say like the the supper clubs to each other (laughs) (laughs) the supper clubs and yeah now the pop-up it's it's kind of a nice way for us to actually hang out and see each other but also kind of i love doing the marketing part of everything for the pop-ups and hearing what he's doing food wise so yeah i'm excited to uh you know just like again the community thing we've got so many friends around Mm -hmm. town um Mm -hmm. that are like really go-getters and doing their own thing and like you know and it's 
you know, I've got so much respect for them and, uh, you know, reaching out to them after we're kind of trying to make this a thing. Like, uh, Parnas is a pretty good friend. Uh, oh man. He was episode six, I think of season one yeah. of the podcast. I tried to listen to it recently and couldn't find it. Oh man. Yeah. He, he, I <laughs> just love it. Like he opened up about like his dad's restaurant up mm-hmm. in, uh, oh man, where is it? Snowville. Yeah. yeah Snow- it, uh, it's down the road from where yeah, I grew up. Dantai. Yeah. yeah. And like just the way that he was talking about his dad. And then at the end, like, I mean, like it, it, it gets you like choked up when you're hearing him talk about like his influence and it was like, you are such a cool dude. And then yeah, I mean, he's, when, he's great. Yeah. And when they were, I mean, talking about another pop-up man, like when they were over at, um, at Gato, I mean like that was just such a, it was just a really awesome, it was an awesome, awesome vibe, you know, like yeah. go over, grab your beer at the market and then like, you know, you're eating, gosh, I, <laughs> I, whatever, whatever there was, it was always amazing. So. Yeah, I, I listened to uh, Jarrett Stieber's podcast recently. Yeah. You, your your podcast with him, yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, he's the dude, man. Yeah, and guy. and just all of that that whole you know the the pop up scene and the gato thing mm-hmm. and have it being an incubator or whatever. It's, it's super super cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, talking to Parnas was here the other night for our pop up and nice. talking to him, and it's like, hey man, we should we should do one of these together. So totally. like, you know, maybe in a couple of months we'll have one of those with him. And it's then a little backwards because Parnas helped us at a Tasty Beast. That's true. A few years hmm. ago, how long has that been? Yeah, several <laughs> years ago. Like uh, Parnas helped me cook a couple of the supper clubs back in Athens. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, and that's how we became friends. And uh, and then he he came up to me one time because I always pick a different theme for each of these dinners. Yeah. You know? And he was like, "Hey, man, like, uh, could I could I like write a menu for one of these? Could I do like a, a Thai food thing?" And I was like, "Absolutely, dude! Like, I'll be your sous chef. You write the menu, and you know, nice. and and he did. And, you know, and we spent half a day one day, you know, like chopping and uh, milking coconuts for fresh coconut <laughs> milk and all of this stuff. And it's just yeah. like, whoa, this is crazy. And I learned so much that day, you know, that week. And uh, and then looking at the Talat menus these days, it's like a lot of these dishes were like, he was testing them in my kitchen back in Athens. So cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember walking by and looking in the windows of like watching him and Rod milking coconut. And yeah. it sounds so weird. So if you've got <laughs> something in your mind, if like you're hearing us talk about this and like milking a coconut, like think about what a coconut is folks, you know, like it's, but the, the, the little, like the hand crank, the, yeah. like, it's a really great tool. I mean, it's super dangerous if you don't know what you're doing, but like, it's a really awesome I mean, and I've only done it like maybe two or three times in my life, but um, it's also really fun. I don't know. It's super labor intensive. But then like you taste the coconut milk that comes out of it. So like Parnas, we love you if you can't tell. But uh, (laughs) the the coconut milk that is produced from like actually, you know, (laughs) from this process is unlike anything you've ever had before. It's night and day difference from anything in a can. Yeah. Like Like you've never, like think about like the most coconut intense, like most intense coconut flavor and then like multiply that by seven or eight or another prime number that I, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, love we, you Parnas and, and Rod, you guys are yeah. great. We, so. we had a bunch of coconut milk left over uh, from something that, that was a Talat coconut milk and mm-hmm. uh, I just got carried away and drank a bunch of it uh, because <laughs> it's insanely delicious. And then like, it's so rich. I was just like, I had like coconut milk hangover the next day. Like I just <laughs> felt awful because I yeah. drank like a quart of it. <laughs> I imagine it would just slow you down. It's like drinking glue. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's really good, but yeah, it's going to like, it'll, it'll like freeze your joints. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, but, but man, like I, I'm really pumped for you guys. I mean, it's just really cool. I, I love, I mean, to, to your point, Joel, like there is a really cool pop-up culture in Atlanta. I mean, like you talk about, you know, someone like chef Jarrett, you know, with, 
what they're doing over at SOS and then like Parnas, I mean, they're getting ready to like jump into brick and mortar. And yeah. And so uh, just last night was hanging out with uh, our friends, Mike and Sharitha, that do the plate sale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're still over at, they're still over at Gato. Yeah. They're they, in Athens now. They're, oh, they're they've actually, Athens? yeah, it was kind of like ships in the night when mm-hmm. we moved to Atlanta, like within a few weeks, they were moving to Athens or vice versa. But uh, yeah, they're, they're working on doing, you know, uh, eventually a brick and mortar in the Athens area, uh, you know, but they're still doing pop-ups in Athens and Atlanta. And, you know, we were hanging out with them last night and it's like, Hey, you know, we should do a Veneta plate sale thing because like his food is insane. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, some of the most satisfying food that I've had in a very, very long time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I just want to like hang out and cook with you, dude. So like yeah. that, that's the thing. It's just like, yeah. let's just get together and cook with friends, you know, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, we're recording this on what, December 4th, you know, but, and this will, you know, sometime in, you know, late January or early February. And, you know, by that point, you guys will maybe be, you know, two or three or four deep. Who knows? Hopefully. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, you know, where, where can people learn more about what you guys are doing? Um, so you can follow us at, um, Veneta ATL. That's our handle on all social media. Um, and if you go to our Instagram, that's kind of where we post the most often. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a link in our, our profile so you can sign up for our newsletter. And, um, once we have more pop-ups scheduled, I'll be sending out emails, you know, with those dates. So if you want to find out what we're doing, that's the best place to go. Sweet. And all that information is going to be on the episode page for you guys too. So, but sweet. Yeah. But man, I'm so pumped for you guys. And thanks again for, for being on the show. It was really great to hear you guys story. I mean, especially like the. West Virginia it's civil war yeah, and like you know it's <laughs> like yeah. dude Veneta now you have a pop up yeah, yeah exactly like <laughs> oh so I, awesome I left probably the best part of that out um so she like I said she went by goes by her middle name uh she never really liked her first name uh like she never was Veneta you know she never went by that and so over Thanksgiving you know a couple of weeks ago uh, I, I told her and, you know, we've got t-shirts made and I pulled out a t-shirt and showed her and she was like speechless. She like choked up. It was like a good little moment. But uh, my, uh, my granddad was like sipping coffee or, or water <laughs> or something and like literally like choked and like had a spit take and like started coughing. Oh my gosh. And it was pretty it hilarious. Was it was it was so good. It was better reaction than I could have expected. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I haven't used that name in probably fifty years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They've known each other since elementary school. They That's actually amazing. they met in elementary school when uh he was sitting behind her and put a frog down her dress. Uh it's like something that only happened in movies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like stuff uh, like that was actually something you did like fifty or sixty yeah, years ago. Apparently in West Virginia. That's <laughs> how you you know, got your girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring that back. Yeah, like, that's gonna be the that's gonna be twenty nineteen's prank of the year. It's like, oh well frog going down someone's back of someone's <laughs> shirt. Like <laughs> we're bringing it back, everybody. But you know, they they've been together for forever and mm-hmm. he's like, Yeah, I haven't you know, heard that name in so long and it, it's I don't know, it was pretty funny. That's awesome. Man. But what a great way to, to celebrate something that has so much history and um but man i'm just i'm really stoked for you guys i can't wait to see what you guys do but joel amanda thank you guys so much for being on the show thanks for having having us man this was great yeah we'll see you at veneta soon soon hopefully soon (laughs) many thanks to amanda and joel for joining me here on the show and if you would like to learn a little bit more about what these two and their team are up to go ahead and check them out at venetaatl.com that's v-i-n-e-t-t-a 
atl.com for more. And keep an eye on their calendar. They're popping up all over the place, and their next couple are happening in the month of March at Adarm and Amano over in Old Fourth Ward. So brush up on your availability and plan to visit these guys soon. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Getz, and if you like what you hear, you can support the show on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry.